God, we love you, and we are thankful to be in your presence once again in this place, God. We are excited that we are able to, uh, to gather here, to sing our praises to you, to open up your word together, and to, to hear from you as you speak through your word. And so, God, I just pray once again this morning that you would speak through me, that the words that come out of my mouth would be your words for your people on your day. God, we are here in this space to hear from you. We, we want to leave this space in this time knowing that we have met with the one true God and leaving changed because of that. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, we are in week 15 uh, and actually our final week of our Word of God series. We're going to be closing it up this morning as we finish up this series. And I don't know about you, this has honestly been one of my favorite series that we've done here at Fresno First Church as we've just been walking through Scripture. Uh, I say slowly, but honestly, if you take 15 weeks and go through all the Scripture, it's not all that slow, really. Uh, but what we've been doing is we've been just kind of looking at some of the, the major themes, the major pieces that we find in Scripture, uh, really stemming out of our, our GROW initiative for this week that we talked about in January, to, to learn and follow scripture both personally and in community. This is what we have been doing, and we're going to continue to do that even after this series. I'll talk about that at the end here. But, uh, you know, we're gonna, uh, this morning just kind of close out this series. And I, I, my hope is that this series has only just sparked your imagination as you go into scripture, that it has only just, just kind of uh, ignited just a passion to dive into the word and to be more in the word. Uh, but really what we've seen, what I've, what I've wanted us to see over the last 15 weeks is really these two different movements that we see in scripture. Right, we begin scripture in Genesis uh, 1 and 2. And in Genesis 1 and 2, we have this, this perfect creation that God has made. Right, God has made a perfect creation. He is in perfect relationship with this creation. Uh, he makes the world and he says that it is good. He makes humankind in his image and he says that we are very good. And he has a perfect relationship with his creation. Genesis chapter 3 alludes to the fact that, that God is walking in the cool of the garden with Adam and Eve. He is in this relationship with him. This is the way things are supposed to be. You get just a few chapters later, Genesis chapter 3, and, and it just doesn't work out, right? Uh, a sin comes into the picture. Adam and Eve, they do exactly what God had told them not to do. And it, because of that, they are exiled from the garden. They are pushed out of the garden. They are pushed essentially out of the physical presence of God. Uh, but sin is entering the picture, and no longer do we have this perfect creation no longer is God able to be in this perfect relationship with what he has made because sin is now in the picture. Right, it takes all of three chapters for that to happen. It takes all of six chapters to, for, for God to say that he regrets making humans. That's Genesis 6.6, 6, that God regretted making human beings. Six chapters into the book, and we are already, we've made this movement from point A to point B. But the rest of this series and the rest of Scripture has been talking about this, this second movement, this movement from point B, this point of kind of brokenness where creation is not as it was supposed to be, all the way back to point A again where creation in, in the book of Revelation is, is back. It is back to where God had created it to be. We will read a little bit about that later. We're going to spend some time in Revelation this morning. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is point a, we're back to point A at the end of the book. And so this, the rest of scripture is really this journey from point B back to point A. 
And what we've seen along the way, we've seen Abraham and the promise of descendants and land. We've seen Moses leading his people out of Egypt. We've seen uh, Joshua leading the people to inherit the promised land. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, in the Kings and the Samuels, we see the kingdom of God being established. And then, then we get to the New Testament and what we see is that everything continues with Jesus. Right, Jesus, God, God is with his people. God wants to be with his people. That's another one of those themes that we saw in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, in Jesus, he is physically with his people. He is there. He is with them. He is physically present with his people in the person of Jesus. We see the kingdom of God established again in the New Testament with the person of Jesus. All, right, all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament, what we see is this God who wants nothing more than to be with his people, and he is willing to fight for it. All right, we see this God, even in the end of the Old Testament, as the people of God just kind of continually walk away. It just sounds over and over like Genesis chapter 3, right? God, God pushes this thing, he, he, he creates this thing, makes it good, and the people of God just continually just, just walk away. And they say, I don't, I don't want any of that. It's just a continual Genesis 3 movement. And so what happens in the end of the Old Testament is God actually pushes his people back into exile, pulls his presence away from them once again. But even as he does that, we see God sending prophet after prophet to call his people out of their sin and back into relationship with him. What we see in scripture is a God who wants nothing more than to be with his people and he'll fight for it. He'll do what it takes to get there, even sending his own son to make it possible. All right, think about this. We, we see this, but then Jesus, after he comes, lives a life that we couldn't live, dies a death that we deserve to die, rises again so that we might live with him forever. Even after he does all of that, he leaves. He goes back to be with his father. And what we have here is, is this, it's easy to think that God is once again kind of pulling his presence, but what we have is the, the Holy Spirit comes, and this presence of God is available to everyone. And here's, here's, here's what happens. He leaves, he leaves, he goes back to the Father, and he leaves the church to spread the good news and to spread the gospel. But here's, here's where things end up. Right, in the end, we read this. We're going to be, spend some time in Revelation chapter 21 and 22 this morning. We're actually just going to read through the whole chapter 21 and into 22. Uh, it's not as long as it sounds, I promise, but it's going to be, I think we'll, we'll see just some amazing things here. So Revelation chapter 21, uh, we'll start at verse 1. And here's what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away. Did you catch that? God will be with them. He will be their God. All right. Sorry, I got distracted there. <laughs> he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. 
But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a high, great wall with 12 gates, and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it was wide, he measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurements and it was 144 cubits. Uh, That is about 200 feet. Uh, That's what my Bible says. 200 feet thick. Uh, the wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Remember, this is the tree that Adam and Eve were not supposed to eat of. It stood the tree of life. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Now, I just want you to just hear this and catch some of the things that we just read there. I mean, think about this and how they tie into everything. 21 verse 3, look, God's dwelling place will be here on the earth. He will be with his people and he will be their God. Does that sound familiar? Yes, absolutely. It sounds familiar because we have read that in the book of Genesis and Exodus. We have seen this is God's plan all along. Remember, this movement from point B back to point A. Right, this is God saying, look, I'm going to be with my people. I will be their God. I will be their people. Uh, again, uh, I alluded to it earlier, Gen- uh, uh, 22 verse 2, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So now, now people can eat from this tree. Right, it's, it's back to the way it should be. 
and we will reign forever and ever. Think about this. This is, this is God's plan for the whole thing. This is what everything is pointing to. All of Scripture, everything that we have talked about up to this point in this series has been pointing to this. But I want you to see this. Up until this point in the series, we've been looking backwards. Right? Everything in the Old Testament obviously happened a long time ago. Everything in the New Testament still obviously happened quite a, quite a while ago. <laughs> Right? The, the letters to the churches were written a long time ago. But what we see here in the book of Revelation is not something that happened a long time ago. This is something that is going to happen in the future. Right? This is, this is a, a vision of the end. This is a vision of, of what will happen when Jesus returns and we will just be in his presence all the time. We'll be able to worship him. We'll be able to eat from the tree of life. The, the, the leaves are for the healing of the nations. God is going to be dwelling with his people. But, but I want to I see this, that we've been looking back the whole time. This is not back. This is forward. Where we find ourselves right now, Fresno First Church in May, crazy, <laughs> of 2021, we are somewhere right in the middle between Jude and Revelation. I, I, just as a side note, I really wish that, like Bible publishers, I wish that they would just kind of leave a blank page there, like just to say, like you are here, you know, like one of those, one of those, the maps in the mall that you go to, and it's like you are here. That's that's where we are right now. We are still in this thing. This, this this time that we just read about has not yet happened, right? We look forward at this in in hope. All right, this, is, this is the whole point of the book of Revelation. I'll just say this is a side note as well. We don't read the book of Revelation as like a tool to figure out when things are going to end. We read the book of Revelation and we look at that and we see it just as a vision of hope for the future. This is what is going to come. This is the end of all things, that God will be with his people and we will be with him. He will be our God. And this is where things kind of get interesting, right? Because there's not necessarily like an like a easy, like tied up with a bow way to end this series with the book of Revelation, right? Because we're not there yet. Right, this isn't something that we can just, just talk about as, as something that has happened. This is still to come. But all of Scripture points to this end. All of Scripture points to this end. And it points to this moment. In, in, in Revelation chapter 7, just a little bit earlier than what we read, Revelation chapter 7, starting at verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the land. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. All scripture points to this end. All of scripture points to this end. I think this is just just amazing because it's not just us. I mean, this is everybody, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every language. We will all be with 
God. This is, we talked about God's heart for the nations just a few weeks ago, and this is it. All scripture points to this. But again, there's not like a tidy little bow to tie up at the end of this because we're not there yet. The story of scripture is still being written. And here's the thing, the story of scripture right now is being written through your life and through my life. So here's, here's the question I want to ask you this morning. If all of Scripture points to this end, and the story that God is telling today is being told through you and me, here's the question for you. Is my life pointing to the same end? Does my life point to the same end that Scripture is pointing to? I mean, here's, here's the truth, really, about the Christian life. See, we, we live kind of between two worlds, right? We are here for the now. We are here and now. We are in this world. You, know, you hear this familiar phrase, we are in this world, but not of this world, right? First Peter calls us foreigners and exiles. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, uh, the, the quote-unquote hall of faith that we read there, uh, it says this in verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting, and I want you to hear this, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Uh, even the, in the Hall of Faith, we read about you know, Moses and Abraham and Noah and all of these people that we read about in Scripture, and it says basically they, they would admit that they were foreigners and strangers <laughs> on the earth. See, we are journeying through this world right now, but we are citizens of a kingdom yet to come. See, Philippians chapter 3 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, even just, just, just seeing these, this picture in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, it just makes you just that is what I want. That is what I desire. I desire to be with God. I desire to be in this kingdom yet to come. All right, we live between two worlds. C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, Mere Christianity, he says this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set afoot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Ah, think about that. That is just, that's a, that's a powerful statement there. That's C.S. Lewis from his book, Mere Christianity, uh, which if you haven't read it, I would encourage you to read that. But, but just, just think about that. We live between two worlds. And we need to just, just have this in mind always, that we live between two worlds. Yeah, we are, we are here for now. We are citizens of, of here for now, but we cannot wait for the kingdom of heaven to come because we are citizens of a kingdom that is yet to come. We live between two worlds, but we also live between two times. We celebrate at Christmas. You know, we celebrate Jesus has come. And, and we celebrate on Palm Sunday that as Jesus rides into the city that he is being crowned as king. As Jesus comes, we can say this confidently that the king has come. We, we, we live in this time after Jesus' birth. We live and we can say the king has come, but at the same time, we're waiting for the return of Christ. 
So the king has come, but man, the king is coming. This, this kingdom of God, as we talked about in the week we spent about the kingdom of God, is already not yet. This king who came over 2,000 years ago, he's coming back. And in this sense, the kingdom of God is not only just a, a present reality, but it is a future hope as well. And I'll just, I'll just quickly say again that this, this, the book of Revelation is not really a tool to be used to say, like, it's going to happen on this day and this time and all this kind of stuff. Scripture actually speaks like, no one's going to know. So stop trying, right? We shouldn't be trying to figure out when it's going to end. What this is, it's, it's, it's hope. It is a future hope that we can read about in the book of Revelation, right? At the same time, we, we live between two times. The time of Jesus has come and the king has come. By the same time, Jesus is coming and the king is coming. We live between two worlds. We live between two times. But here's the thing. We live for one purpose. We live between two worlds. We live between two times. But we live for one purpose. And that purpose is to see the consummation of the redemption of all things. We live for this purpose, to be with God, that we in the presence of God, to experience this. This is why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. This is why in the very end of the book of Revelation, one of the last two or three sentences is, come Lord Jesus. We cannot wait. We, we want to be in his presence one day we will be with God. You know, John chapter 14 is uh, oftentimes kind of misquoted and taken advantage of a little bit. You know, he's, uh, there's this verse in John 14 that says, In my Father's house uh, there are many, and some translations say mansions. Uh, the NIV, I think what we read from, just says rooms, and that's a little bit closer. But really what the whole word is, is just dwelling place. It is the same word. That is used in the book of Revelation when it says God's dwelling place will be here. All John 14 is saying is look, we will be in the presence of God. We will dwell with God. We will be in his presence and we will be able to worship him. And here's the beautiful thing is it won't just be us. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue Everyone coming to be in the presence of God and to worship him. This is what all of scripture is pointing to. And I'll ask you again this morning, is your story, is your life pointing to the same end? And this is, this is huge for us. And my prayer is that it is. My prayer is that, that we're not one of those people who C.S. Lewis talked about, who is so concerned with this world that we forget about the next. My, my prayer is that we use our lives here on this earth to, to show people the reality of this future hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. Yeah, I have... Again, I have just so fully enjoyed this series uh, as we have just walked through Scripture. I hope you have as well. But again, I'll say this again. My hope is that you just have come away from this series just, just wanting more, more Scripture, just, just wanting to dive in and just see some of the things that we've been talking about. You know, we've, we've talked about a lot of the major themes and the pieces, but there's, there's more. <laughs> there's more. I mean, we're not going to go through all of it in 15 weeks, and we're not going to try. 
Uh, you know, we're going to spend the rest of the year uh, spending some time in very specific pieces of Scripture. Uh, and starting next week, we're going to be starting a series in the book of Psalms. Uh, you know, about, I don't know, four or five years ago, we did a series, uh, just we spent a summer in the Psalms. And we're just going to, we're going to do that again. Or we're going to spend some time this summer just, just really focusing and diving into the Psalms and seeing uh, just, just what, how, how, why were they writing? What were they talking about? You know, what was it that caused them to worship? How, how did they speak to God? How can we learn from, from these things? So we're going to spend some time in the Psalms this summer, but uh, I, hope that you have, I hope that you've enjoyed this series, and I hope that as you continue reading Scripture personally, that you see some of these major themes and pieces that we've been talking about, uh, and it just makes Scripture just come alive. Uh, as we see kind of these two movements in scripture. But let's pray this morning. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got. So we're gonna, we're gonna pray this morning and we'll, we'll be done. God, thank you so much for who you are and for all that you've done. God, this series has been uh, just an amazing series as we have spent time just worshiping with you, God. We have spent time worshiping you. We've spent time diving into your word, God. You, you have much to say to us through your word, and we have just lightly scratched the surface this morning and this, the last 15 weeks. God, I, just, I pray that as we continue to dive in and as we dive deep into some very specific pieces of Scripture, God, I just pray that you would continue to speak through your word, that you continue to, to move in our hearts and move in our minds, that we would be uh, just just empowered by your word and we would be strengthened by your word as well god we we give you praise we give you thanks in jesus name amen amen would you stand with me this morning and uh uh, uh, we end every service here with uh with just a, a word of blessing you just hold your hands out and just receive a blessing from god this morning uh may our god god of grace and love and peace and mercy May that same God give you strength and power this week. May he speak to you through his word, and may he give you courage to make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go in grace, go in peace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.